Do you think life is simpler after you retire? For some, it's actually more complicated when facing issues about health, estate plans, probate, long-term care, and more. That's why attorney CPA Joe Cordell hosts Elder Talk with Joe Cordell, providing smart solutions for seniors and an open forum for older adults with important questions about their future. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Elder Talk. Today we're going to talk about an issue that many of us worry about to some extent. We read about the fact that aging can have an impact on our ability to think, and, and we read about dementia, we read about Alzheimer's, we wonder maybe is our mother or uh, is our father or are we ourselves or what about these these lapses or these episodes and to the extent that any of us does have a family member that has a problem we wonder where would they go for help and what opportunities are there out there would it be a traditional nursing home and if not what are the alternatives these are these are the issues we're going to talk about today and we have two marvelous guests in fact guests that are backed by popular demand to the show among the more popular shows mm-hmm. we've had quite frankly mm-hmm. Susan why don't you introduce our guest well, we are very happy to have back with us today April Haskins, who is the administrator for the Villages of St. Peter's Memory Care, which is an assisted living facility designed for those living with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Now, April's journey with memory care began as a young girl seeing her grandfather suffer with the effects of Alzheimer's and dementia. And we're also joined today by Ann Warren, who is the director of nursing at the Villages of St. Peter's Memory Care. And also has personal experience in dealing with a family member who had memory loss, and she has over nine years in the geriatric field of care. She has specialized training in dementia and Alzheimer's care, wound care, and Interact, which is a quality improvement program that focuses on clinical and educational tools and strategies for long-term care facilities. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome. Um, You know, this is one of those subjects that, on the one hand, none of us wants to talk about, and on the other hand, many people as they age are having to deal with. And I think that it's one of those subjects that that people just uh, would prefer would go away. But the reality is that it seems, tell me if this is my imagination, that a lot of the progress that we read about in medicine, about medical science and technology that are extending people's lives, that are curing illnesses and diseases, I don't see that level of progress in the area of dementia and Alzheimer's. Is that a fair impression? Yeah. Well, there's certainly no cure at this time. Um, I think that they're diligently, you know, working to uh, find a cure. But right now, it's it's still a very limited uh, medicines that can be used, and even those that are available to use, a lot of people are. I think misinformed, uh, thinking that it's going to slow down the progression or stop yeah. the progression. And what people are looking for is is a solution. And and I guess that the things we read about these medications, um, they're just almost a yawn. I mean, they're, they you, you hear about very very modest benefits, and maybe they would that would be more interesting. Maybe if I were the person that had it, or for my mother or dad. But I'm reading about the extension of life in the matter of months, and I'm thinking this is not the breakthrough we're looking for. Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Um, they really just uh, treat the symptoms of the disease. Um, Alzheimer's is definitely uh, the most prominent name out there, but gosh, there's 80, 90 different types of dementia. dementia. And it really affects everyone differently. Uh, a lot of people just think, oh, you know, right. they, they don't remember things. Well, that's true, but they don't remember things like how to swallow or yeah. how to walk or all those things that we take for granted that we just automatically do. Those are also affected by this disease. Um, so so when, when we think about then the dementia, including Alzheimer's, we we seem to recognize that it requires something different than a traditional nursing home. In other words, when I think of a traditional skilled care facility, I'm thinking of people requiring bed rest often. Um, at least they're requiring nurses continuing to give care, whether it's intravenously or whatever it might be. Think of a lot of medical and technological stuff going on, and it seems like the person who might be suffering from dementia doesn't really fit that profile. Is that true often? Certainly. Um, a lot of our neighbors, uh, we call them neighbors in our community, um, they need queuing. So uh, very often it's difficult for insurance companies to understand, definitely. Now, what is queuing? Explain that. So uh, neighbor may have the physical ability to go to the bathroom, but... We're going to have to remind them, hey, let's, you know, go to the bathroom before we go, you know, to lunch. And then they come with us, but then they're looking at you like, okay, now what? You're going to have to cue them, okay, let's uh, undo our pants. Let's pull our pants down. Now let's pull our underpants down. Now sit down. You're going to have to cue them for every last step. Um, it's almost... Kind of sometimes like a, a kid with ADD, you mm -hmm. can't give them too many um, things to follow at one time. So you step have by to step. cue them step by step. Uh, for some of them, they take a bite and set the fork down and forget to pick it back up. They're now interested in whatever is going on at the next table. Uh, so a lot of cueing, a lot of oversight to make sure that uh, they're eating to make sure that they're taking their meds on time. Um, so the point is that what you're describing is something different from what we think of in a traditional, uh, I'll use the phrase nursing home sure. or skilled mm -hmm. care facility. Sure. Well, in a traditional skilled care nursing home community, there are care requirements that they are meeting, and our neighbors don't always have that need at the time. Um, they don't have feeding tubes. They aren't in need of a lift of some kind for that transfer. And could that be their path down the road? Potentially. But right now, the, the families that we're meeting with are seeing those earlier signs, the, the signs that there's some confusion, some um, choices in their decision-making process that don't align with keeping them safe. Uh, what they need is a somewhere where that person can live that they know they're safe, healthy, and taken care of 24-7, but the nursing care required isn't to the extent of a traditional nursing home. So do do the families who are considering your facility, um, which is a facility that's specifically dedicated to people with memory problems, correct. is that correct? Our entire yes. community is yeah. memory so care. Memory care facility. 
And it includes assisted living as well as perhaps those who might need something more, or do they transfer to a skilled care facility at that point? Or uh, uh, If they required skilled, uh, then they would transfer. Uh, okay. I say that with caution. Um, the majority of our neighbors have been able to age in place and stay with us. Until uh, they passed the away. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's not uncommon. No. no. No, it's actually very common. There's been very few that we have had to recommend for that next level of care. So if your loved one um, got the flu and got a respiratory and so they were weakened and they needed a little bit extra help temporarily, we can do that. Um, If your loved one had a fall and they needed a little bit extra help, we can do that. If it became a hospice situation and you weren't sure that your loved one would be here six months from now, we would bring you in hospice. You can do that, yeah. Bring in the things um, and make a temporary care plan that would outline uh, a little bit you know, more care so than normal. That would be reassuring to many of the people listening is that this wouldn't have to be a way station to right. an inevitable trip to a skilled care facility or nursing home later on. It might be that if they had to bring a family member there that that family member might be able to call that home right perhaps for the balance of their life well and just as we said earlier with there being no cure or preventative and it's a progressive disease that's definitely a fear of the families that we meet with as so i move them here then what what's the step after that and hopefully the step after that is this is their home for the rest of their life however long they may be um so far accommodating especially with the help of hospice and those very uh end-of-life moments has worked really well. There are those few cases, though, where we do need to look at a skilled nursing or a traditional nursing home community. A lot of it depends on um, where the the family is at um, in their thinking. Um, or did mom or dad, you know, decide ahead of time that, okay, I, I know that I don't want feeding tubes. I know that I um, want to be a DNR, right. those kind of Which things. Which I would expect that would commonly be the case in that scenario. Sure is. The majority of the time we are working with the power of attorney that's been enacted for that um, neighbor that's living with us, and they do have their wishes in writing for what they want. But that role of a power of attorney, it's not an easy journey. I mean, no. a lot of times that's an adult child mm-hmm. trying to make and keep the decisions that their parents wanted, even though... Um, sometimes we're selfish and we don't want to make those choices, but they have to step back and say, this is what they wanted though. They made these decisions before they were unable to make their own choices. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's a problem with giving a durable power of attorney for healthcare Mm -hmm. to a family member. Uh, It's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, they're going to be most thoughtful in making decisions and they do know you the best. But on the other hand, they're it's never hang okay on. for gonna, mom yeah. or dad to go. So yes. uh, that, mm. that is a difficult decision for them. And uh, we also see them struggle with uh, knowing the difference sometimes between a guardian and a power of attorney. Yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, they need all this extra cueing and all of that. But, you know, sometimes we'll hear, well, well you just you, you have to make them. 
uh-huh. take a shower. And it's, well, no. <laughs> um, uh, they still have rights. And so. Uh, and, and that's one of the advantages of your facility, right? Is that, mm-hmm. uh, is that it's in many ways better than perhaps they're staying at home in terms of their quality of life. Well, I think the easiest way for me to care cognitively. So you have an environment where everyone who is coming to visit is visiting somebody living with some form of dementia. Every person coming to work is coming to work to do a role, whether it's cooking, it's housekeeping, it's uh, the administrator, but we're all coming to serve those that live with dementia. So they could leave one neighborhood, go into another neighborhood, but they're still with folks that have dementia, families that are trying to go through this journey, and staff that are prepared to communicate properly. Communication is one of the biggest things when you have that cognitive impairment. It's treating somebody respectfully with dignity and understanding that you're in their home and you're also in their moment. You have to join them where they're at and be comfortable doing that. It's a lot of educating we do with the families to be comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and let me uh, tell our listeners that I have my Belgian Malinois, which is a dog. <laughs> I have my dog in the studio with me today, and uh, she sometimes makes a little noise. Scout, come here. Uh, her name is Scout. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so try to ignore the any sounds you might be picking up in the background. It, it's not over. We're not. We're not fluttering over here. <laughs> <laughs> although, although you know, when I think about these things that you're describing. Uh, a neighborhood, people getting to know each other's neighbors, the interaction that, that is is home-like. Do they have pets? Uh, well, we had a neighborhood pet a who neighborhood now lives pet? with me. We outgrew that uh, particular dog. Um, no, they don't bring their own pets. Um, what they do utilize a lot, though, are the mechanical pets. Um, it feels very much like what they had at home. So we have Cooper, who's a dog, and he barks and he rolls over and he's battery-operated. Um, we don't have to clean up any messes, and huh. they feel very comfortable with him. It's a lot easier to live with dementia and thrive when you are surrounded by other people living with dementia. And, and people develop relationships with the with the people in their neighborhood. They, they do, Abs- so absolutely. And it's very non-threatening. They can have a conversation with a fellow neighbor. We, as the outsiders, may stand there and over-listen and not truly understand what that conversation is about, but they're smiling, they're laughing, they're touching, and they're communicating. And that is extremely important for them because in the world outside of a memory care community, when they were back in the real world, it's very easy for people to constantly tell them what's right, what's wrong. Try to reorient them Mm -hmm. or sometimes not even uh, saying anything, but you don't realize it's on your face. Uh, so they stop talking. Yeah, because they're, they're noticing. They're always failing. They're, yeah. I'm always saying something wrong. I'm making her mad or I'm making her cry. No, I, I can see exactly what you're talking about. They can still, they're sophisticated enough still to, to re- read those cues from Absolutely. you. That you may not be consciously communicating. Well, and the one thing we always say is they may not remember what you said to them, but they will always remember how, how you, you make, make them, them feel. feel. Yeah. Always. You yeah, know, they may not know your name even as a care partner, but it's how I train my staff. You know, they're going to remember if you've upset them. So you need to be an actor or an actress every day. You know, smile, be big, be jovial, be uh, extra, because <laughs> they're going to pick up on all of that. So let's talk about then uh, people who are listening. They may have someone living at home 
who is struggling due to cognitive things, and yet they're not sure whether a time has come, whether they should consider moving their loved one, perhaps to a memory care facility. What criteria would you give that listener to help them make a decision as to when that time might come? I would say first, if they're questioning that it could potentially be the right time, start to worry. Get out there and go to the communities. Um, You don't have to have appointments. You can show up any day of the week, any time of the day. Uh, Start to get comfortable with the options before you feel that you absolutely need to make that move. I think Ann could probably speak better to when is the right time. Um, You're going to start seeing things like uh, medicines not being filled in a timely manner. Uh, You know, those are things that if you ask them, of course, they're going to, you know, say, oh, absolutely. You know, but I hate to say sneaking around, (laughs) but if you have to and you happen to be at mom's, you know, house and you happen to use her bathroom, you might want to take a look at the dates that are on those meds. And and, and I think I, I have a feel for kind of what you're describing is that is that we can expect these people to want to meet to keep their independence as they understand Absolutely. it. So to the extent that any of us would feel an obligation to conceal our failures in that way. So it does require a little bit of investigation, perhaps, on the part of a child to Very to often know. a spouse also. So um, common recurring theme for uh, a lot of the neighbors that move into our community is there's been a death of a spouse and then all of a sudden the family is like holy cow how long has this been going on so are you saying that the spouse is covering yes. up for their because they're fearful that you're gonna you're you're gonna take my wife and you're gonna put her in a nursing home and for a lot of them um they're thinking of that older picture of a nursing home um we certainly have a long way to go still, but we've come a long way from uh, the Cold things that we used to, feel. you know, do uh, to some of these people. We, you know, they're not tied down in beds or chairs. We're not using electric therapy on them. Uh, yeah. I think another thing that the caregivers should think about when thinking, is this the right time, is their own health. Those that live with dementia are very resilient. And, you know, yes, there may be a period that they need to get acclimated to their new environment, but they do. And if you're the caregiver and that's probably one of the hardest jobs in the world would be to care for somebody with dementia 24-7 because, you know, you can't take your eyes off. You don't know what that next thing will be. Um, If your own health is starting to fail because of that, that's probably a good time to consider if they getting could. that additional help. But, you know, I think that the best sales uh, for that in the mind of many, many spouses would not be the argument that is very true that you just made, that, you know, this is not healthy for you to have your uh, cognitively impaired spouse home. Mm-hmm. I think that the the best the 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 best persuasion would occur by way of saying to that person I'm thinking of my my family member specifically sure. uh would be to say to this person this is why your husband or wife will be better off absolutely I, I think to mm-hmm. to say to them even though what you just said is true that yeah. it's hard on them it's difficult 
but but because they love this person, mm-hmm. that won't be the reason that they participate in this transition. I, I think coming it'll be because to our, our community is a blessing. Um, they can be less meds. You know, uh, I see very often when I go to do the assessments um, to make sure that we're the level of care that they need, there's a lot of meds because the family is trying to honor what they promised. Maybe dad, Mm -hmm. you know, um, oh, no, we said we were going to, you know, take care of her and they're, you know, on Halidol or they're on these really heavy drugs. Drugs that are necessary because they're at home. Because right. they are sundowning, and so what's sundowning? So sundowning occurs for not all, but for a majority of those living with dementia. That as the later afternoon, as the sun starts to go down, they become extremely active. They have a lot of distress reactions. They become very busy. Um, it's almost like those circadian rhythms kind of flip. Days and nights are mixed up. Like yes, mm-hmm. so they're up at night. They're uh, more restful during the day. Now imagine that this is your mom and you're still working. You're, you still got kids uh, that you're trying to get through high the school. The sandwich and, generation. Right. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're still going to work. You can't be up with mom at 2 o'clock in the morning. But what happens when mom goes out the front door and doesn't remember how to get back or doesn't mean to? She thinks she's hungry and she puts a can of SpaghettiOs into the microwave and catches something on fire. You're hearing them up walking around. You're And so all of these things start uh, happening. All of a sudden, we've got locks and alarms all over the house. We've got cameras installed everywhere. We've got all these meds. Um, you see it over and over and over again on their diagnosis. That, something you know, to help them sleep. They can't yes. sleep. They can't yeah. sleep. Okay. Well, here's the problem with that. Sometimes those meds will work and sometimes they won't because if those meds work on the part of the brain that isn't there anymore, it's not mm. going to, they're not going to sleep. Or they're so using now, nighttime medicine to make them sleepy, but they're still, it's not working on that part of the brain. So they still get up, but their body's tired and there's more falls that can occur that way as opposed to just. Now they might break a hip. Being able to allow them to be up 24-7 if so, need be. So at some point you're describing a scenario where at home it's going to require 24-7 vigilance. A sort of. Um, Very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a sort of on-call, on-duty continuously. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and. And it's also not good for them because it means that they're going to have to at some point try to fit into the schedule of this working family. That is now exhausted because Mm -hmm. they are hearing uh, their loved one up walking all night. They sleep uh, kind of on edge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had a family member that painted a picture of tying Uh, a rope (laughs) around her and uh, her mom so that she could make sure that if mom got up in the middle of the night that she would, you know, wake up. And I'm like, wow. So so how is life better in in a memory care facility than what we described? Give the contrast. Well, I think you have to think each person is unique. And so you have staff that's there to be able to support 
things that they're going to find interesting. There's always somebody to have conversation with. Um, they're obviously the activity programming that's available is to occupy somebody's mind. It's to help their with their how they feel, their sense, the touch, the sounds. Would you let them wander the night? Absolutely. So there's yeah. not necessarily a set schedule or anything like that for them. No. There's routine enough to keep them comfortable. There are right. times a day that uh, state regulations say we should have posted times that we do meals, but that doesn't mean if they miss that time because they wanted to sleep in because they were up at night walking around that we need to go in and wake them and, and say it's 7 a.m. You need to be up for breakfast now. If they want to sleep till 9, great. They sleep till 9, they get up, and then that's when that particular neighbor that day would have breakfast. Because there are a handful in each neighborhood that spend their nights walking around, talking and, to that overnight care partner. They're in a safe, secure uh, environment uh, with caregivers that are there to keep an eye on them or engage them. But what, if they don't need to be redirected, unless they're trying to go into another neighbor's um, room, then right. they're not going to be redirected. Uh, if they want to get up and touch everything in the kitchen and get a cookie and uh, open up every drawer and look into every cabinet because who doesn't want to know what's behind the door, right? If you don't remember what's in there, maybe uh, I want some of that and that's fine. Yeah, so uh, they do have a lot of freedom, including freedom to go in a kitchen and prepare yeah, so let me take, let me stop that for a second. So we have a commercial kitchen, and then each neighborhood has a kitchenette, and that's where we serve our meals out into each of the individual dining rooms. The kitchens, though, are um, safe uh, to be able to operate the stove in the kitchen. You have to use a keypad on the wall, and then um, to turn that stove or oven on, it's up where the vent is. So and that gives our pan, yeah, it gives pan. our care partners the ability to go ahead and cook throughout the night without leaving the neighborhood to go to the commercial kitchen. But if our neighbor's standing right there with them, it's the induction system. So once the potter pan's removed, it's cooled to the touch. Yeah. It's not where we keep our knives. Those are kept in the commercial kitchen. So it doesn't have the cooking supplies. It, it truly is a, a kitchenette, but has a refrigerator that for their independence, they certainly can go to the refrigerator, look around. An ice cream freezer. Ice cream freezer. And they each have their own rooms, which they can decorate mm -hmm. as they choose? Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. How large are the rooms? They're um, just under 200 square foot. Now, is this typical for a memory care facility, what you've described? Um, parts of it. Yeah, I would say parts of it. I, I think the thing that I'm continuing to uh, struggle with is uh, lots of new memory cares are opening. Uh, but surprisingly, I'm still seeing that model of you have assisted living, you have skilled, and then you have a memory care unit. Um, which fits somewhere between assisted and and skilled yes. in terms of categories because it seems to have some characteristics of both sort of sometimes yeah yeah um, the thing that is nice is that our entire community is memory care so there very often we will open up the doors to all four neighborhoods and they can come into that common area or they can walk over to the other side. Um, and visit some of the other neighborhoods. And so that keeps their distress down. Uh, I can tell you that whether you're remembering everything uh, correctly or not, 
if you want to go walk, the last thing that you want to hear is no, no, come back here. Don't do yeah. that. Don't open that door. Uh, mm-hmm. No. So that just causes distress for them. They're, they still remember they're an adult. They're, you know, they want to make their own choices. Um, so the fact that they have the entire community, we have a safe, secure outdoor area for them to be able to go to. And that's unique. Mm-hmm so far what is the average time amount of time that someone stays in your facility uh that's different for every um neighbor and every journey it just it just depends there's so many different forms of dementia so i can tell you that we still have the very first neighbor that ever moved in but then i can also tell you that in the three years that we've been open we've we're in somewhere in the 30s for neighbors that have passed. So they passed away there yes. mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to somewhere else. Right. Yeah. We've yeah. only had a handful that we have had to um, say needed a higher level of care. Um, and of that, I would say leaning towards more. Sometimes there are other things going on, maybe post-traumatic uh, stress yeah. disorder. Um, much as uh, for this disease, a lot of them go back to a different time. If that time wasn't a pleasant time for them, then sometimes they're not uh, safe for so, themselves or others. And right. then we have to. So, would you say them. then that the average stay, it sounds like, is less than three years? Yeah, yes. I would say so. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you talk about what it costs to stay in a facility like yours? Yeah, so we have three different room sizes, and um, they truly are just a bedroom with a a full bathroom. Um, We encourage that they come out of their bedrooms, and that's where the living room and dining room are. Um, Right now, it's um, $57.80 a month for one room. 67 something for the mid size, and then 6900 for the larger size. And that's room and board, so that's as all-inclusive as it can be. It's their food, their laundry, housekeeping. Snacks, cocktails. cocktails. Um, The only thing it doesn't include would be if they go to the salon and they see our stylist. That would be an additional uh, charge on the monthly bill. Or if they've done um, a field trip type activity. So we do a lot of restaurants where we'll take a small group of folks and go to the restaurant um, maybe once a month. And that would be separate and on the monthly bill. Does it include medications? So their medications no. are billed just okay. um, the same. Under it would go through their insurance. insurance yeah, right. I would have been surprised if yeah. did that. I, well, yeah. I thought so, but, but the way you, I thought, But well, with medications in mind, I mean, no, good question, though. Yeah. definitely for me, uh, less is more. Well, and, and what impresses me, though, about that price is for many of these people, their alternative would be a traditional nursing home. Right. Which for comparable nice facilities, they'd be paying ten to $12,000 a month. Mm-hmm. So they this is a place where the person can stay unless there's some medical problem that develops. They can stay there the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So 6900 even your highest price, mm-hmm. seems very reasonable from that perspective. Yes. So I guess that's a reason now that in part that this has become a very, very popular option for people who traditionally looked at nursing homes and then they couldn't keep. Well, I think that you also, uh, my biggest problem... Uh, with that is, and, and it's no, definitely no fault to any uh, skilled community that's out there, but the ratios, the staff to um, patient ratio that you have is much higher. Uh, the acuity of need is much higher. 
And so they don't mean to, but when you're one person and you have 15 people, you just can't do it. Uh, 15 plus people that are incontinent and some of them need a Hoyer lift and everybody needs to get down to the main dining. Uh, two hallways away in that hour and eat. Something it's very nice easy to, to say, okay, Miss Susan, you just go ahead and hop into the wheelchair. I'm going to wheel you on back. April, I'll be right back to get you. And the more times, it really is a use it or lose it. They don't have the time to walk with so somebody this, that may take 20 minutes. So this ratio, time. 15 to 1, uh, that's what you might find in an assisted living facility. Is that right? No, that would be for skilled. skilled. Yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. And that seems like a... And not a very impressive percentage. So what, what percentage would you all have? Uh, during the day all the way through uh, evening, so almost till 11 o'clock, we're like a 1 to 4, 1 to 5 ratio. Um, our community is a little bit different as everybody does everything. So, um, yes, certainly some things have to be, you know, done by an actual nursing partner like meds, but... But a lot of uh, things don't you know, by the, the nature right, of this. Somebody that works in uh, the housekeeping can definitely answer uh, you know, and, and get somebody something to drink or stop because somebody's distressed and needs um, somebody to walk with them. So everybody kind of does everything. Well, let, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a few moments to talk more about the options that exist for people who have loved ones with dementia or Alzheimer's. Back in a moment. You're listening to Elder Talk with Joe Cordell, providing smart solutions for seniors. Presented by Cordell Planning Partners, your elder law advisors. And now, attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Well, we're back. Uh, What should we cover in these last 11 minutes? I want to come back and um, let's talk to that husband or wife or son or daughter who's trying to keep their loved one at home. They've noticed some of these problems. Let's assume they that, that they're significantly down the road in terms of knowing these problems exist. Um, I'm wondering how they can, uh, how they approach this whole topic with a person they care about. I'm going to jump to the conclusion, and this may not be fair, that often this loved one, spouse or parent, may not be someone who's, well, very open to this idea, initially at least, initially. Absolutely. And, and yep. so tell me how you often see this. I should probably be talking to you, April. Tell me how this often um, proceeds in a way that is positive and, and voluntary. So I think of initially what I see is that the families do the touring and the person with dementia does not know that that's happening. And what they're looking for is a place when they come in that they can see that person feeling comfortable, thriving, feeling safe. They're meeting staff. They're smelling the smells of the neighborhoods. They're making some of the initial determination on would this be the right place. Um, how is it, the first visit, though, often without this loved absolutely. one? Absolutely. I yep. see. Mm-hmm. It's very, very rare that an initial tour of the person with dementia would be there. Um, it's it's a lot to take in. There's a, a lot of questions to ask. And when you're having a conversation about somebody with dementia, but they're sitting right there, you're now having a conversation about them in front of them. So it can be really uncomfortable to ask the right questions, to probe the community. Um, The person with dementia is getting antsy and wondering why you're talking about them but not to them. Mm -hmm. 
So it's, I think that the family will accomplish more and have a better tour alone the first time. Um, and honestly, it's not too often that the person with dementia comes back to tour. Usually the next time that they're back at the community is the day that they're moving in. How often is it, though, that this moving in is you sense that there's an involuntary sort of component, meaning they're, they may be going along, but they're not happy about it. What do you often see is in the mind of the person moving in? I think it's new. It's different. It could have already been talked about, but they've forgotten that that conversation has happened. Um, you know, every person with dementia is going to be slightly at a different level when that move-in takes place. And in the first 24 hours, it's best that the family stay a shorter period of time. They really need to give the person with dementia time to get accustomed to the staff and to that environment. Yeah, and the other neighbors before we feel the need to spend six or eight hours there. Sometimes they feel like they're uh, helping us. You know, oh, we're going to, you know, spend all this Mm -hmm. extra time and, you know, smooth things over. And uh, what they don't realize is they think they're they visiting the mom, lead. but need, mom yeah. thinks that she has to yeah. take care of you all because yeah. you're here to visit her. And mm-hmm. so she's not going to those activities, um, not meeting her neighbors, not learning how to um, communicate with her caregivers. So and walk us through that first, that initial time when they're they're moving in. I mean, what mm-hmm. do you do to help them acclimate? What do you, What are some really practical things that you might do? Why is... Again, why why do yeah. we need to get out of well, the way and let you do what you do best? And we do tell families that ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. And we wink, and they know when we wink, they need to turn around and walk okay. away. That's the and their, their tears can happen in the parking lot. Not that we're not compassionate to that, but at that time, it's taking the neighbor, walking with them, introducing them to neighbors, showing them their room, pointing out stuff on the wall that the family's decorated, looking at family pictures that have been left behind. Oh my gosh, who's this? Tell me about this picture. So right away, they're in charge. You know, it's not questions that are um, black and white. Well, and everybody's different um, where they're at in their uh, dementia. So uh, for a lot of our neighbors also, they may have had a fall and ended up in a skilled nursing uh, to get therapy. And so it's very easy for us to say, you know what? So you're doing so much better. You don't need this skilled level of care anymore. You know, first started out at the hospital, then you got better, and then you came here. Well, now you're doing so much better. So this is the next stop before you can go home. How often does that happen? It's pretty frequent, and it works out really well. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. frequent, and then it's great to say, you know what? Your family has found a lovely community that you even get to have some of your own items at. So when we show you your room. I get that. Yeah. So I for some that. of them, uh, and then they, know, they think they're, they're there for therapy forever. So, forever. Well, <laughs> and yeah. they never get good enough. And they may say, "I mean, I've only been here two weeks." But yeah, they're a year. But, but it, it's a step down facility. I can see how that yeah. that picture I can see being much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. They've been in the skilled care facility for an accident or whatever, mm-hmm. and so now it's a step down facility. Yep. So there's more freedom. You know, things are much, much better in every way than they were in that skilled care facility. Yeah. And that's just kind of where things stay. it's so comfortable for the family to say the same thing. Well, mom or dad or husband, wife, remember, you're just going to be here until you get stronger. So you've got to keep doing what they ask. 
which may just be an activity. We're not doing therapy. And so... Now, we can certainly um, bring therapy in uh, for them to have therapy. Other mm-hmm. times, uh, if the spouse has decided that, yes, they um, need to place their loved one, sometimes we'll use the reversal and, and tell them, you know what? They've got to go have this knee replaced, and he's going to be getting therapy every day, and... He needs to make sure that you're not going to be home by yourself and all that. So you're just going to come stay with us for a little bit until he's done with therapy. And so then sometimes they think, oh, well, I'm doing this so that he can get better. Mm-hmm. So there's a different, it's different for everybody. And then mm-hmm. for some of them, they understand that they're moving in, um, at least temporarily. Uh, there have been other families that we've, uh, they came for lunch for a couple weeks, you know, yeah. and we tried and then, okay, antsy again, we'll see you tomorrow. But you get comfortable with that. We also offer day club, mm-hmm. which can sometimes be a great uh, gateway to oh. them getting comfortable. I want to talk about that for a second. How much time do we have, Susan? We have four minutes. Okay. I was going to ask, is there a a uh, progression option where they can come and stay. You just described yes. the situation where they yes. come during the day. Yep. I hate the word daycare, adult daycare. Day, day club. Okay, but but you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Yeah. I've heard this phrase, adult yeah. daycare. Mm-hmm. It's not where you want to go I think someday, it's so it? offensive. <laughs> it Whoever, whatever marketing person came up with that as a label for an industry should be fired. I mean, for it, adults. It, yeah. It's yeah. so offensive. Um but I'm surprised it has hung around. Me too. So anyway, for a I won't lot get of them, on that, they just so. think they're coming for lunch okay, or happy so, hour. So let's go to yours. Adult Day Club, right? Mm-hmm. So now tell me what that is. So uh, that they can come seven days a week. Uh, they are not segregated from our other neighbors. Uh, we have several recliners. That, How many hours can they come during the day? All day? Yeah. yeah. Some of them. And there's there's not a time. We may have somebody that... Uh, comes at 6 o'clock in the morning and leaves at uh, 5. And then we may have someone that brings their loved one at 2 o'clock and picks them up after dinner. Mm-hmm. So um, so they can set. always do that. That doesn't yes. have to be just transitional. I mean, right. presumably right. it would be. Yeah. But yes. yeah. Now, that, that's an important thing for our listeners to know. So that option exists. Absolutely. Adult Day Club. Mm-hmm. I know they've heard of Adult Day Care, but this is a... Uh, well, yeah, we try not to use that term yeah. uh, with them at all. I mean, the family might call it an uh, adult day club. They just think that they're coming. Uh, We've had ones that think they're coming to volunteer. They're going to come volunteer uh, and have lunch with us. Uh, We have live music and uh, activities. Yeah. And uh, live music at least twice a week um, with happy Happy hour with Real cocktails. (laughs) That's right. They're not children. They have alcohol. Uh, So uh, some of them think they're there to help us. Uh, I'm pretty sure that our first uh, neighbor definitely thinks she works. <laughs> One well, of these days yeah. she's going to ask us for a check and we're right. going to be in trouble. You'll have to give uh, her a check. That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I can see where that would be an easier way to transition someone is if they had familiarity with the facility and they felt comfortable, they knew the people there, and the, and some of the people that they had gotten to know were also staying there. That's right. Mm-hmm. I can see where that would well, be. Well, it is interesting when the family comes to pick them up at night, and sometimes you'll hear, well, how come I have to leave? Everybody else is staying. Mm-hmm. Right. They've made friends. Uh, that's time. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a great time to that's consider. That's a success. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Making the move. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact. 
<laughs> Your butt is actually in the other room. <laughs> so I certainly see why this this um, industry, for lack of a better word, this this um, pocket in the long term care uh, field has developed. Just because I could, this what we've been talking about here is different from what, for example, assisted living. Well, they're not giving the assistance as much as is likely to be required. And then skilled care just doesn't describe a nursing home environment, doesn't really describe what many of us think our loved ones need and, and with Alzheimer's or whatnot. So uh, I can see why you guys have been popular in the past. We've had you on this show, and I know that what we've talked about today has resonated with a lot of people. We're about out of time. We'll have to have you guys back again. The name of the, this facility, again, in St. Peter's is? Villages of St. Peter's Memory Care. Villages of St. Peter's Memory Care. And if somebody had an interest, they could contact you, April? That's correct, yes. At that facility. So uh, till next time, this is Joe Cordell, another episode of Elder Talk. Take care. You've been listening to Elder Talk with Joe Cordell, providing smart solutions for seniors with attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Listen again next Saturday for another edition of Elder Talk with Joe Cordell, sponsored by Cordell Planning Partners, your elder law advisors. For more information, visit eldercarelaw.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.